This is Talk of the Town. I'm Bob Cudmore on Magic 590, also heard on 100.5. Joining us is Kathy Sheehan, the mayor of the city of Albany. Uh, This past week, uh, Mayor, you and the police chief, uh, Robert Sears, held a news conference to talk about violence in Albany. Uh, There have been five killings in the uh, first uh, months of 2018, and three of these uh, took place in the uh, uh, this month of June. Uh, what do you think's going on? Well, you know, we are working uh, constantly on violence reduction initiatives. We do a tremendous amount of work, not just the police department, but also our community partners to identify people who are at risk of committing violence and also people who are at risk of being victims of violence. And we seek to ensure that they know that what we want is a safe community and we stand ready to provide people with access to job opportunities, access to the mental health services they may need, access to housing, uh, whatever we can do to help them get into a position where they're not engaging in activities that can lead to violence. uh, We want to ensure that we're doing that proactive work as well as our standard policing, which is keeping people safe. Um, We're also looking at environmental factors. So in certain streets of the city where you have areas with overgrown lots, with trees that have grown into the streetlights and make for a darker street than than really what it's intended to be, um, we're looking at all the things that we can do to ensure that our streets are safe. Mm. Now, the police chief's uh, response is to increase patrols, correct? That's right. We're also increasing patrols. Uh, You know, there are certain areas of the city and certain groups in the city that we are aware of that we know pose a risk for committing violence or, as I said, being victims of violence. And so that work is ongoing. And then it's just being out there. We need people to help. We need people to speak up as well. Uh, In one of the incidents that occurred that led to um, the death of a young man who was shot, There were dozens of witnesses that were uh, there and and saw what happened. We need for people to come forward and speak up. We need for people, if they don't want to be seen speaking to a police officer or if they're concerned, they can call our tips line and they can uh, remain as anonymous as they want to be. But we also need for people to speak up if there are illegal guns in their homes, if their boyfriend or their son or somebody that that they're living with has an illegal gun, we need to get that gun off the street. Because what what I worry about, in addition to any loss of life or any shooting victim is one victim too many, but it's that unintended victim that then, you know, the community has an outcry um, when somebody becomes the unintended victim like Katina Thomas did 10 years ago. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but most of these um, murders have taken place uh, among the black community in Albany. Uh, And it seems to me in the last number of years, the police department has worked on being, um, you know, I don't know what, more outgoing. You know, and do you think in the light of the fact you're not getting information on one of these uh, recent cases? And do you think there's some sort of breakdown in communication? Well, you know, I will say that this particular case of the shooting that occurred on Livingston Avenue, we are working that case and we expect to be able to make an arrest in that case. We have found that the community has been far more cooperative as a result of the years of effort that 
that the police department has undertaken to build trust in the community. But there's always room for continued improvement. There's always room for continued engagement. And we do need for people to speak up. When I talk to people in neighborhoods like West Hill where there is violence, um, you know, one of the things that I try to stress is that we need to work together to make sure that West Hill, for example, is a safe place and that the community and the more community members who are willing to step forward and and talk about uh, the violence and to speak out against the violence, you know, that's how we build strong neighborhoods and strong communities. N- nobody should feel that they can walk onto any block of any street in the city of Albany and fire a gun. New York State has some of the uh, toughest anti-gun uh, laws or, or gun distribution laws in the country. Where do all these guns come from? Well, you know, we can talk about the supply side of it. And our strict gun laws do result in fewer gun deaths. Um, and, you know, we can look at the statistics countrywide of, of where there are tough gun laws um, and the gun deaths per capita um, and, and other places that are less restrictive. But one of the things that I talk about is that we have to work on the demand side. Mm-hmm. I mean, there will always be a line or access to illegal guns. If somebody really wants to get their hands on the gun, even if they can't get it in New York state, they can leave the state and go get a gun and bring it back into the state. So the the focus that we have to place is on the demand side. Why does somebody want to possess an illegal gun, what is going on in their life and in their lifestyle that is resulting in them picking up a weapon. And we have so many opportunities that are available. We will work with anyone to help find them the workforce development opportunity that is going to put them on a path to a career that is something that they want for their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have scholarships right now. We have a $2,500 scholarship that we will give to an individual while they are working to uh, develop a skill or a trade that they're interested in pursuing. So we have lots of opportunities that are available, and we stand ready to make sure that everyone in our city recognizes that they are valued and they are valuable, and we will do what we can to help them Uh, achieve what they want and to get themselves out of uh, a lifestyle that may be exposing them to violence. Albany Mayor Kathy Sheehan's with us. Uh, You mentioned uh, a moment ago the anniversary of the of the death of an Albany girl uh, 10 years ago, Katina uh, Thomas, uh, killed by a stray bullet. And that was a uh, a murder that uh, took the the city really shocked people because she's so young. You had nothing to do with any uh, with the shooter and so on and so forth. And it looked like, well, uh, the the story was that, you know, probably things are, are, are a bit better now. We'd still say that? Or? Yeah, I mean, we certainly, shootings are certainly down. Um, and, you know, the, the tragedy of the death of Katina Thomas is also in the youth of the person who shot her. Mm. Uh, and that this was a group of very young people who had a neighborhood gun. Uh, we aren't seeing that level of violence. Um, and what we're finding is that victims of violence um, tend to be people who are involved in activity that brings about violence. And so, you know, that's where I think we could have a 
entire, <laughs> um, you know, hour-long conversation mm-hmm. about uh, the marijuana trade and about whether we should legalize marijuana. Uh, you know, we have gotten away from arresting people who have small amounts of marijuana because of the disparate impact that that had in mass incarceration and for a whole host of good reasons. Um, and so, you know, in but in looking at the violence in the city of Albany, most of it revolves around the marijuana trade. And so I would like to see legislation that would legalize and, and have a path to legalization of marijuana so that we can, um, you know, really stop uh, criminalizing mm-hmm. behavior that has become um you know, relatively widespread. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring up the topic of demonstrators build now, Mayor. The Poor People's Campaign says it won't pay a bill from the city of Albany for law enforcement providing uh, that was provided for a march that tied up Central Avenue, one of the city's uh, busiest streets. Albany is the state capital. It has numerous street protests. Why was this particular organization singled out? Well, they weren't singled out. As a matter of fact, we require that anybody who wants to um, protest on city property obtain a permit. Uh, That allows us to plan for whatever the event is. It allows us to have a conversation with the group that is planning the event to discuss the impact of that, ways to um, mitigate any negative impacts, and gives us the ability to plan our personnel so that we know where we need to have people and when they need to be there. And so we require permits anytime somebody wants to use city property, whether it's for a party in a park or a protest Mm -hmm. on the streets. The state requires the same thing, and the Poor People's Campaign has applied for permits from the state to protest on state property, they didn't provide the same courtesy to the city of Albany. And they blocked a major city intersection during rush hour for more than three hours. And that resulted in us having to call in additional police officers because we weren't expecting it. They didn't, it didn't give us the opportunity to work with CDTA to reroute buses. So we had people stuck on buses for hours and it caused a significant amount of disruption. And so when that happens, no matter who the protesters are, if we can identify an organization, we will send them a bill for that excess cost. Have and you ever done this before? Absolutely. Absolutely. Really? This is something that we have done. Uh, we did it when there were people in Albany protesting the oil trains. If there's an unidentifiable organization, we will bill it. Sometimes there are protests that just erupt, right? There are things that happen in response to something that occurred, and there's no identifiable organization. The Poor People's Campaign is a national campaign. They have a headquarters in New York City. They are doing fundraising across the country. They are funding buses to go into capital cities to cause these disruptions. And so this is an organization that has the means to work with us and to work with the cities in which they're doing these disruptions to um, to have conversations. You know, if if we if we know what's going to happen, um, then we can, again, plan our workforce work with CDTA to reroute buses, reroute traffic so that we can keep everybody safe. 
the irony here to me is that, I mean, I've talked to you a number of times. I would think you in general support the cause of the Poor People's Campaign. I absolutely do. But I also swore to uphold the Constitution of the United States. And I can't have a double standard just because I agree with the message. If the KKK had blocked Central, had blocked Washington Avenue and Swan Street for three hours, and we sent them a bill, I don't think anybody would be questioning it. As a matter of fact, I think people would be lauding the fact that we were doing that. We have a constitution that says that we can't have different rules for different types of speech. And so if I'm going to require the KKK to get a permit, I have to require the Poor People's Campaign to get a permit. City Council is is now cons- or the Common Council is now considering uh, a, re- a resolution you know to encourage you the, you or the city to not per- pursue this anymore. If the council votes, uh, would that change your mind? No, because if the council votes, it would be an unconstitutional act on the part of the Common Council. We cannot have a double standard, and that is you know the the reason that. Um, people who are advocates of the poor people camp, poor people's campaign, many of them are members of the New York State Civil Liberties Union, and I cannot imagine that they would have a different response or a different uh, outcome that they would expect. They would expect for all speech to be treated the same, and we require these permits because we want to keep people safe. Look at what happened in Charlottesville. I mean, you know, there we a person lost their life because the police were not prepared for the protests that took place. We ask for a permit so that we can be prepared so that we can keep people safe. There were a lot of frustrated uh, commuters that day, and we were able to keep the protesters safe. We were able to keep the commuters as best we could, get them rerouted. Unfortunately, there were many people who didn't get to their second jobs, many people who didn't pick their kids up in daycare in time, many people who didn't get to doctor's appointments because of that disruption. We move on to the Ezra Prentice Homes. You mentioned that in passing a while ago. Uh, that's a housing project adjacent to the Port of Albany. Heavy truck traffic, oil train cars, air pollution. Some are saying that the housing itself needs to move or be moved to a better location. Do you think that's the ultimate answer here? Well, the people that I'm hearing that from don't live there. And the people who live at Ezra do uh, like the location of Ezra because notwithstanding the truck traffic, um, it's in a great location. It's a wonderful community. Um, And so we are working to mitigate those impacts. And I'm pleased to say that after the traffic study that was done, uh, we have approached and and I personally have met with um, a number of the businesses along Pearl Street, and they have made the commitment to change their routes so that they're not sending trucks past Ezra, what we found in the traffic study is that about 80% of the trucks that are going, 85% of the trucks that are going past Ezra Prentice are local trucks. Mm -hmm. They're not through trucks, they're local. So if we were to ban truck traffic, like except for all local truck traffic, it wouldn't ameliorate the problem. And so we are working with them. The city has made a commitment. We are no longer going to send our recycling trucks that go to the county waste facility um, past Ezra. They're going to take a longer route to get to county mm-hmm. waste. We will not be picking up um, blacktop uh, we'll go through the port to do that. So we've made that commitment, and the businesses along Pearl Street and the port have made the commitment 
to do what we can to voluntarily reduce the number of trucks that are going past Ezra. The Pride Parade. You attended the Capital Region Gay Pride Parade in Albany recently. How has the parade evolved through the years? Well, you know, you think back to when it started, and it started as a protest march, (laughs) and it evolved to a parade. And in recent years, the Albany High football team has marched in that parade. Uh, The Marching Falcons band has marched in that parade. It's become uh, a parade that is really inclusive, and you have now law enforcement, the sheriff's office, and a whole host of people. And the crowd this year was the largest that I can remember. And the Pride Festival was just so uh, well attended. It was a great day. It was just a really wonderful um, um, experience. And one of the other things that I noticed is that when I started marching in the parade in 2013, um, or actually, no, 2009, uh, there was a large group of counter-protesters right. that would be along the route. And every year that has shrunk. And this year I saw two people. Uh, mm. So, you know, lots of families, parents with their kids out supporting the parade and supporting Pride. So it was really great to see. A question about uh, city government general services. You recently named Sergio Panunzio, a 30-year government official in New Jersey, to become head of Albany's Department of General Services. What does that department do, and what does he bring to the job? Well, our Department of General Services is somewhat unique because it includes not only what would be part of what many call DPW, which is the roads, right? Making Mm -hmm. sure that in the winter they're cleared, in the summer that we're patching potholes and paving them, responsible for sidewalks, responsible for trees, uh, for uh, cleaning up debris. Uh, But they're also responsible for all of our buildings and maintenance of all of the buildings and parks that the city owns. So uh, they have a broad responsibility, and Sergio brings with him um, a a great deal of experience. And he also literally wrote the book on using technology and using data to drive better operations and better decision-making around how we deploy our DP, our DGS um, uh, services that we have and, and resources that we have. So uh, he has hit the ground running, and I think he's going to do a great job. The council was uh, very, uh, you know, very rapidly um, mm-hmm. uh, when I put his name forward. Uh, within a week, um, they approved had it. they had approved it. So um, we're we're excited to have him and uh, looking forward to his leadership. And we're almost out of time. Uh, Lots goes on in Albany during the summer. The USS Slater Destroyer Escort Memorial is open uh, for the season. Uh, This is, uh, you know, really an unusual and important uh, part of Albany's uh, attraction, if you will. Yes, and it is one of the most popular uh, sites uh, for visitors to the city of Albany. So it's, it's just, it's great, and it is run by Uh, virtually all volunteers. Uh, It doesn't uh, utilize any government resources. It does its own fundraising. And it is a real treasure. And I, you know, I welcome the opportunity to participate in the many events that they have. But I encourage people, if you haven't seen the Slater, uh, please go and visit it. It's really a great way to spend the afternoon. You've been listening to Talk of the Town with our guest, Albany Mayor Kathy Sheehan. The program will be available as a podcast on albanymagic.com and bobcudmore.com. We won't have a program uh, next week, but uh, two weeks from today, our guest will be Sarah Foss, who is news columnist for the Daily Gazette newspaper. 
I'm Bob Cudmore.